You're listening to The Plug with Neil Griffith. Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of The Plug Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hope you're doing well. Hope your week's been great. Before we kick off this week's episode, I want to thank, as always, our proud sponsors and good friends, Audio Technica Australia. Let's face it, it's been a real strange start to the 2020s, full of long days where the only thing that would get us by was to put on our favourite record and just keep on spinning. Audio Technica Australia have announced Keep Spinning, a little way of working with some incredible Australian-based artists to help give back to the charities and causes they care about through slip mats. Each unique slip mat has been designed with one goal in mind, to look epic mounted on your wall and even better spinning on your turntable with all proceeds going directly to the artist's chosen charity. Furthermore, anyone who purchases a Keep Spinning slip mat between now and April 30 will go in the draw to win an AT-LP60XBT fully automatic Bluetooth turntable. Customers can also enter the code 5SHIPPING at the checkout to receive a discount on shipping. For more information, head over to audiotechnica.com. Alright, this week's episode is an exciting one because finally, international tours are back in Australia and US heavyweights May Day Parade will be coming down at the end of April to celebrate the 11th anniversary of their self-titled third album where they'll play the recording full at shows in Perth, Brisbane, Sydney, Adelaide and Melbourne. You can check out all the dates on the Instagram page, but I sat down with guitarist Brooks Betts to talk about the upcoming tour, their latest album, what it means to fall apart, the resurgence of pop-punk music, Machine Gun Kelly's influence on that genre, and how the hell the giant When We Were Young festival in Las Vegas this October is going to work, which Mayday will play alongside My Chemical Romance, Paramore, The Used, Sunday, Dashboard Professional, the list goes on. Here's my chat with Mayday Parade's Brooks Betts on The Plug. And welcoming to The Plug podcast, All right. Mayday Parade's own Brooks Betts. Brooks, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, how you doing? Good man, good. We 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 just jumped on this on this call. You are you've just done a meet and greet, right? And now you're just chilling out backstage. I'm assuming. Yeah, most days, just hanging out. Uh, um, sometimes when we're in certain cities, we'll venture out, you know. But today, it's uh, nothing too special. Just a bunch of shops and food around. So at least we have that. Yeah, right. So you you guys are uh, touring the US right now, yeah. Yeah, and we're almost done with the U.S. We have uh, D.C. basically tonight, then Philly and Boston for two nights, and then we're done with our uh, U.S. leg of the run of the tour. Brilliant. So, like, I don't know if you've known the situation in Australia right now. We're like finally getting back to it and finally getting tours back on the road. But you guys have been at it for a, yeah probably for a, at least a few months now. How is it back being on a stage? What's that like? It's great. Uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, we've been out for about two months, and it's it's a lot of. Um, it's a lot of, uh, well, first off, it's nice to be back, but we're really well in the swing of things at this point. So it's all very fluid and easy. And uh, yeah, it feels good. You know, two months is a long time with no break. Luckily, coming up here in a little less than a week, I get a couple of weeks at home. And then, yeah, then we'll be off to Australia. Yeah, I've, I've kind of made a point on this podcast, particularly in the last few months. We're not allowed to fucking talk about COVID or the pandemic. But in saying that, you guys released the the new album late last year. Now you're finally back on the road. What have the last few years been like in the Mayday camp? Yeah, well, I mean, as far as 
well, we hadn't been doing a lot of touring, that's for sure. <laughs> so, you know, things have been, uh, I suppose it's in, in some ways, I um, is a little bit of a blessing in a way. I mean, I had a daughter and um, she's a year old now. And that was, a, you know, a nice time to be home and take a hiatus without having to take a hiatus. And, uh, you know, within the camp, I think everybody was kind of doing a bit of that themselves, just like enjoying family time. And, uh, you know, I picked up some more work at home. So it kind of opened up some more doors for me. Whereas like, you know, when we're constantly touring, go, 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 uh, the, the mode is, or that the mentality has been just kind of, you know, enjoy your time at home. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I started doing some things, you know, working some construction and uh, doing some guitar lessons and things like that uh, and just enjoying the family. Does like, because when you talk to, you know, office workers or people who have in any real nine to five job, that has drastically changed the pandemic. I mean, has drastically changed the way you do things. Now that you guys are back in the swing of things, is it almost like we're just pre-pandemic times, you tour, you grind as hard as you can, or do you guys change it up now the way and the the volume in which you're touring? Well, I think we are making up some lost time right now, sure. you know, but also, you know, we're, this is like a, this is an anniversary tour and we're themed it for, you know, our self-titled record. And I think that's, you know, one of our most popular releases. And a lot of it is just taking advantage of, theming a tour out, you know, doing all the production that that helps the theme. And, you know, you want to hit everywhere that you haven't been and get to all the places that want to hear this record. So I think it's a little bit of both, um, you know, just the the demand is, you know, obviously there because people haven't been going out. And then on top of it, you know, just taking advantage of this record. Yeah, for sure. And with with this um, 2011 album, obviously, again, it is 11 years since it happened. Correct me if I'm wrong, like this is now in hindsight, one of the more popular fan favorite albums. But is it true at the time it, that wasn't necessarily the case with you guys? There was a lot of tension between the band and the label and what they expected you guys to make this album? Well, this record was a um, getting back to what we were able to do or wanted to do. Um, I like to stand by all our work, but I will say like, so anywhere, but here was the record that I think you might be thinking about, right. which was right before. And, um, that, that was with Atlantic records and that was difficult because, well, yeah, we didn't have, um, Jason was not a part of the band on that second record. Right. And then we were also uplifted to a major label, which, uh, we ended up with a pretty good deal, in the end, there was a lot of bands who were getting roped into 360 deals at the time. And we knew to stay clear of that for sure. We never would have signed something like that. But um, that was a little bit more heavy handed on Anywhere But Here for the producer and say what the label wanted, um, <clears throat> which I don't think is completely unorthodox for a major label release. It's just something that we didn't enjoy and wasn't really something that our band loved the process of um, in hindsight. I don't know if it really was a bad move though, because that record was very successful. Uh, fans love it. And, um, but, but then when we got on to self-titled, what was, what happened was Atlantic was kind enough to release us of at least some of those obligations in the deal. Although it was still, uh, self-titled was still released under their umbrella. Um, 
we had full control, artistic control of what we put out and which is a big reason why we labeled it as, or titled it self-titled. Um, Cause it was just like a coming back to just, our, you know, our artistic view. Is the, the concept of working with a, a major label, is that always the fear that they're going to kind of want their hands in the, the pie? I think for a lot of bands, if they don't know that, then they probably should consider it or not think that their situation is special. Um, it probably depends on the band and it probably depends on their clout. Um, but I would think for the most part, for any band introing into the major label system, um, their goals are much different than say what the, uh, you know, an indie label would be where they would, you know, be completely content with selling lower numbers, recouping what it costs to produce the record. Also, you know, the indie labels are going to put a lot less into the budget. Sure. And really probably this, you know, only the, the amount that's really needed. Those, those albums for at least us, we always recoup on and um, they're viewed as as successful records in the label's eyes. It was a successful investment for them. Everybody wins. Uh, with the majors, they throw a lot of money at stuff, you know, and see what sticks. And for us, we've never been. We tried to maybe see what if we had any legs at radio, but that didn't really take off. So that's really the only avenue that I think a lot of these major labels have is getting into the mainstream quickly. And if you don't, then there's a lot of money and investment that gets lost and is very difficult to recoup, even though we've sold a lot of records, you know, on Atlantic, just not enough to recoup the massive investment they put in. Is that something that you guys care about? I mean, obviously it's any band's goal to, to get attention and get fans, but is it really necessary or a, a particular goal for you guys to hit mainstream? Does that really matter to you? Uh, it, well, Yes and no. I suppose it probably depends on who you ask in the band. I think um, the the majority mentality with the band as far as becoming a mainstream success is that it's not that big of a deal and that we have success and that we should make sure that we are catering to the fan base and also the genre that we're in and making sure that we are, you know, putting out great music for fans. And I think that's the, the best mentality to have is to make sure that you're keeping up with the fans, you're listening to fans, you're keeping up with your music as a brand without trying to make it sound too business oriented, right? Yeah. But you do have to consider why, why you're popular. Um, and then on the other side of it though, I do think that there is that, that mentality of, well, it wouldn't hurt to be a bigger band. I don't think anybody, I don't think any of us would, <laughs> would shy away from playing arenas or whatever, you know, next level of success is um, for a band like us uh, or, or radio, or just maybe, you know, at this point with streaming services, just getting, you know, playlists and, and having some sort of viral um, explosion that could happen off of certain songs, which is also why we always try to expand, you know, our envelope, of style what, what we do um, and, and making sure that we're always experimenting just enough, but keeping a lot of what it made Mayday Parade successful 
um, as the majority of our record releases these days. Yeah, because that was the interesting thing coming out of that self-titled album in 2011. And again, correct me if I'm wrong here. So Monsters in the Closet comes out 2013. And I know that Derek has publicly said he felt that album kind of was a little too familiar with what you guys did before. And then you changed things up a lot with Black Lines in 2015. Definitely. Uh, that, that is, yeah, definitely like a band effort and mentality to, you know, what, what happens, I think, with a lot of artists is, you know, sometimes you can have success trying to chase your past successes. But I think if you look at self-titled and Monsters in the Closet next to each other, you have a lot of similarities and sounds, vibes. And, um, you know, it seemed to be received that way. So when we look at something like that, we think to ourselves, well, it's very difficult to try and replicate the, the past success by doing it again. So why wouldn't you try and, you know, push it a bit? Now, I think also when you speak of Monsters in the Closet, idea of that record, and then going into Black Lines, I think we were certainly all on the, the same page of let's do something very different and see what happens. I think that's great from an artistic standpoint. I think maybe you do, in, by doing that, we kind of forget a little bit about what the fans really loved about the band, but you also see some bands who can get away with it and move into new territory and their fans love it. So, and they also develop new fans along the way. So I think from like an artistic standpoint, it was a an awesome. I mean, I, I love that record, although I know that the majority of fans would say it's, you know, maybe not their favorite record, maybe one of their least favorite because it was so different. But when you look back on any band's catalog, I think it's very interesting and, and um, refreshing to see them attempt things like that, though. And then evolve from there, which I think we've done with um, Sunnyland and, you know, Post. So, uh yeah, I think that's it's just when you when you're putting it, you've put out seven records. It, you know, you don't want to just keep regurgitating and the same the same shit. I feel like Mayday for the majority of your albums, at least, you've always been a band that kind of you know what your fans want and you know your sound, but you're always evolving that a little bit more. And particularly with Sunnyland and what it means to fall apart, do you feel that you guys have hit on something new with this latest album? Well, with the, yeah, what it means to fall apart, uh, I do think so. Um, I think we at least touched on that. I think you have certain tracks like um, If My Ghosts Don't Play, I Don't Play um, is, is the sort of thing that where we go, okay, well, that's a song that could have been on Black Lines. And we don't necessarily want to abandon that feeling either because we actually really love that record. There's a lot of us who love that record within the band. And I think some fans did too. So you get a taste of that with a song like that. But then you also get a lot of what Mayday Parade usually does. Well, I'll say, I feel that the record is probably 50% of what you think Mayday Parade is as, uh, we'll use the word again, the brand, right? Mm. Um, but then, then the rest of it's kind of reserved for falling in the line of something that's not out of completely out of the ordinary for us, but expands maybe into things that were not quite touched on before with a song like Think of You. I think that's a song that's very emo-esque, but then has like certain feels like um, like a like a, an indie type song, you know what I mean? Where it's 
it's very catchy. It's like indie pop. Or then you have songs like Bad at Love, where you get very poppy, um, at least from, you know, based on what we're used to doing. And just embracing that and experimenting with it and hoping that fans enjoy it the same way that we do. Now, tell me if this is the case in America, because I can only speak on behalf of Australia. Does it feel like there's this, not necessarily a resurgence, but the, uh, almost a, it's now back very much into the mainstream, this pop punk, indie punk, alt rock, whatever you want to call it. You know, we've got Paramore coming back, My Camera back. We've got this When We Were Young Festival in October. Holy shit, that lineup. In Australia, it feels like there is this massive, massive resurgence. Yeah. Does it feel like that in the States as well? It does. It does. I mean, I think also, you know, a big part of that is owed towards Machine Gun Kelly too, which is very, very interesting. You, Of all places, you didn't think it would come from that angle. Sure. But, but, but also, you know, I know that's probably one of those subjects where people are very torn on. I think... I and 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 I would I can't speak for all of pop punk, but if if they if they don't realize that the that that's a benefit to everybody, you know, in the in the rock genre, then they're missing something because um, any any positive light that's shown onto rock at this point is a great thing because it just hasn't been in the mainstream for so long, and these all these different things kind of came together at once, I suppose, because you had, yeah, bands who wanted to come back. Um, the fans are still there. And um, as well, emo in some kind of way had evolved into something that is changing. Um, I would say in general, it seems as if emo has crept into pop in the mainstream a bit. And that's also a, a large benefit to the rock scene as well. Um, you know, emo used to be kind of a taboo term, something that I would even say Mayday Parade would kind of cringe at or wasn't sure if that was like what you wanted to be necessarily associated with. Sure. And it seems to me that that term in general has a whole new um, feeling to it when people speak of emo now and mm. in a positive way. Without putting you in the hot seat, how do you feel about Machine Gun Kelly's new music? For me, I find it very catchy. I, I'm not. It's not like I actively listen to Machine Gun Kelly, but I've listened to his all of his music because I am very curious. And there's there's stuff that that is great in there. Um, and and it's just interesting because because it, it it touches on like whether people realize it or not when they're listening to it, it touches on a bit of a SoundCloud feel and like a garage band feel that that really makes it feel punk rock as a you know like a new punk rock and i'm not talking about like old school but um it, it just it, it somehow it's simplified it's in in those ways it's very poppy as well and uh it's just i guess it was like a perfect storm you know it, it's yeah. good for him i think it's great that he can cross genres like that and have success wherever he goes it probably helps as well that when you have someone like Travis Barker kind of giving him the stamp of approval, because obviously Travis is a fucking God in that genre. He's one of the best drummers of all time with him kind of holding his hand through this. It's kind of like, Oh, cool. If Travis is cool with it, then I'm cool with it. Well, definitely. I mean, there's such a fan base there and Travis Barker and Blink-182 in general had already entered the mainstream space mm. really before 
it, it, you know, they kind of got in before rock and, and the genre sort of went away as opposed to in the idea that people were not listening to rock as much, you know, Blink was definitely up there. And so he's him being on a pedestal and kind of putting the hand down, you know, to, to bring him up is certainly, I think it has an effect. I don't know if this question, you can answer this question at all, because I, I plan to come to Vegas for the, when we were young festival, how the fuck is it going to work? Because it's three days with this gigantic lineup. I assumed it was like a three day festival bands are playing, you know, one of the days, but tell me, is it right that you're right. all just playing three sets, three days, there are 600 stages. Yeah. How is this working? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you the truth. Uh, I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, I don't know how they're going to handle the logistics of it. Mm. I believe it's just a constant rotating set or um, there, I, one yeah. way I've heard right. of it being was three stages and it constantly rotates. So like right. people aren't overlapping. I don't know if they can really stick to that. If they'll run into some logistic concerns that they realize won't work for that. I haven't broke down the math myself. <laughs> so <clears throat> I suppose we are trusting that they know what they're doing. Um, you know, but I think I think that that it's run by you know a reputable company, so I I I believe that they have it figured out. Will you guys still be very much in the touring grind at that point, or will you be able to relax a bit and enjoy the weekend? Because again, this is kind of like a mecca of that genre of music. We'll definitely be able to enjoy it because the sets are not going to be extremely long, obviously, because you got to get all these bands in. Sure. Um, you know, we'll, there's a lot of bands that we're going to want to see while we're there. Festivals are generally pretty laid back. Um, you know, you you get ready to play the show and and you're just hanging out otherwise. So, yeah, I mean, and it's not like we're going to be on tour in the moment. We'll fly out and do the shows. We'll fly back home and then fly back the next weekend to do the third show. So it will be it will be. Um, just yeah chill and we'll we'll be out of tour mode which sometimes starts to feel like a grind so we'll come out refreshed and at, you know be ready for a good time yeah and you guys are obviously coming to australia at the end of the month the first round of shows sold out in like record time so you've got a couple of shows now in both cities will this be yeah. your first time out of the u.s since this craziness happened we actually did slam dunk right before we started a right. u.s tour that we did so that actually our first show back was out of the country in the uk for two shows wow um and then but besides that yeah australia is the well i mean i, I guess we should probably count canada in there too right so canada <laughs> we did some canadian shows <laughs> Even though like you're driving, so it doesn't feel like it's that crazy different. You drive yeah. a couple hours into Canada, come back home, you know, into the States. But yeah, so UK, Canada, and Australia. It feels like a long time. Like I think the last two times you were here, the second last time would have been the Lesson in Romantics anniversary tour. And then the last time would have been Good Things Festival in 2019, 2020, 2019. Yeah, yeah, I believe. Yeah, that that sounds right. I didn't do I didn't do the research right before. And some, <laughs> for some reason, like all that kind of seems like a little bit of a of a blur because it's been so long um, and we've been out of it. But yeah, yeah, we we try to get to Australia as often as we can. You know, as as often as it makes sense. It's a great market for us. We have great fans there, so um, we try to keep it in our regular rotation. Okay, and just before you go, this might be a completely unfair question, given your you've just released an album, finally touring. 
is there talks of more new music or are we just going to just relax and just tour this new music for a bit? It's hard to say because we're, we're not giving, like we're not doing like a proper support uh, tour that supports the new record. Yeah. So it's, I think we'll get to a point where we're going to wonder if we should go out and actually support that record properly. Um, I will say that there are unreleased tracks, though, that we probably will, you know, leak out slowly, you know, in this in this, you know, in between time of getting full records. And uh, we're always working. So, you know, there, there becomes a point where you can't just keep touring because you would oversaturate all your markets. Mm. And we we always take advantage of that time to get together and create new music. Um, as far as when we would expect to roll something like that out, it's too hard to say. But we're always working in one respect or another, whether it's writing at home, recording, or touring. It's probably what you just said before, right? Like it's it's COVID has kind of changed things where like you're making up for lost time. But as you said, you don't want to then just tour for five years, oversaturate the market and not have anything new to show for it. Definitely. You can't, you know, you have to treat it with a little bit of... Um, a purpose, you know, and, and I think it's key to always tour with a purpose, whether that's supporting a record or doing what we're doing now where you're, you know, theming a, a whole tour around a record that everybody can come back 10 years later and enjoy with us. Well, Brooks, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate your time. And we cannot wait for Mayday to get down to Australia at the end of the month. Yeah, we're excited for it, Neil. And uh, thank you for the interview. We appreciate you. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. All right. We'll see you there. This episode is proudly sponsored by Audio Technica Australia. Subscribe, rate, and review The Plug on your preferred podcast platform. And follow us on Instagram and YouTube at The Plug with Neil Griffiths and on TikTok at theplug.podcast to stay up to date with episode releases and giveaways. Music.